There's a song that I love by this guy named Bishop Joseph Garlington. We used to play it a lot. We haven't played it in a while. But the words of the song are really simple. It basically says, Lord, whatever you're doing in this season, don't do it without me. And it's a great song because the more you sing it, the more you start thinking about it. And you're like, yeah. And it goes on to say, Lord, if you're healing, if you're healing in this season, don't do it without me. If you're blessing, I think we all would say, yes, Lord, if you're blessing in this season, don't do it without me. If you're, uh, I forget the other ones. It's all, there's several different categories. Um, and I was thinking about that this morning. We are in an interesting season as a church, and there's a, a, a cry in my heart that's, Lord, whatever you're doing in this season, don't do it without us, you know? And there's a, a, I think sometimes we can order our days for ourselves. We can decide, this would be really awesome. We want to see this happen. We want to do this, and let's go after it. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it may not be the season that God is speaking or doing. And so he'll come with us because he's always with us wherever we are. But it's actually exponentially more powerful to come right in line with what he's doing and to do that. And so this week today is one of those days um, where we thought we were going to talk about another part of biblical forgiveness that Grant talked about last week. And then... um, Yesterday, Grant said, I think you're, you need to preach tomorrow. And I said, oh, okay. So I went to go ask the Lord, what are you doing? And got nothing. So I came home and Grant said, are you ready? I said, no. <laughs> I said, I'm not worried about it, but I'm not ready. And I woke up this morning just with this very clear picture of what we're supposed to talk about. And that's what we're going to talk about. So it fits into our Better Together series because honestly, we can't be better together if we don't have this piece but it's really more about caring for yourself. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what does it mean to love yourself the way that Jesus loves you. And this will be the first message I've ever heard on this topic in a church setting. So hopefully it goes well. It's not something that we talk about a lot. That God, We talk about how God loves us, but we don't talk about coming in line with that love for ourselves. you know. And for me personally, I struggled with really having just debilitating critical feelings towards myself until a few years ago when God really started hammering and saying, listen, I don't feel that way about you. And so it's not okay for you to feel that way about you. And I thought, well, how do you change a lifetime of being trained to critique yourself? How do you change that? You don't change it in a moment. That's how. It's a process of training your mind, of choosing to take thoughts captive, of making different decisions. That's how you get to a place where you can say, you know what, I do love myself the way Jesus loves me. That's not a prideful thing to say. It would be prideful to say, and you all better love me like that too, and I'm the best at everything I do. That's, that's pride, right? But to have a confidence in your heart that says, you know what, God, you were intentional with what you did. You were intentional with how you made me, and it's okay for me to celebrate that even if other people in my world don't celebrate that. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to go through a couple scriptures. If you want to, you can turn with me to Mark chapter 12, <coughs> excuse me, verse 29 and thir- through 31. And this is um, somebody asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? You guys know this. You've heard this before. And Jesus answered, the first and most important is this one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, the one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, which the Amplified goes on to say is thoughts and understanding, and with all your strength. And then Jesus says, and the second is this, you shall unselfishly love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So we can hear that and think, sounds good, love my neighbor as myself. 
But the reality is, if we don't love ourselves, we have nothing to give to our neighbor. And let me put it another way. Whatever we, however we love ourselves, is how we will love our neighbor. You can't give what you don't have. I would love to be able to say, hey, I'm going to give a million dollars to every one of you. But I can't do that because I don't have a million dollars to give to every one of you. It's not in my account, right? So it can be in my head. That's my heart. I want to do that. But if it's not in the account, it's not coming to you, right? So we can think to ourselves, yeah, I want to love my neighbor like myself. But if I don't really value me, what can I do to bring value to you? You guys tracking with me on this? All right. So, excuse me, we want to love, the, basically what Jesus is saying in these commandments is we want to love God as a unified whole person before him, right? With every part about us. I love we sang that song, just a, a heart abandoned to God. That's what it means to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, strength. That everything inside of us says, you know what, Lord, you are God and I love you. And then the second, it's like once we do that, once we come in line with that, it's a lot easier to have something to give to other people right? Okay, so we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 13. We are really accustomed to looking at this um, chapter and weddings and marriage, but today we're going to look at it for ourselves. So this should be an interesting experience. (laughs) Um, You know, it is so important to love who you are. I said this a little bit, but also to love who you're becoming, Because where we are today is not where we want to stay, right? We all want to grow from glory to glory. We talk about this a lot. And so for me personally, one of the things I've had to embrace is to say, you know what, this is where I am today. And so I'm going to say, all right, this is good. But I also want to love who God is making me become, right? I can't live on tomorrow's revelation today because I don't have it yet. So if I have a picture of where I want to go in my life, you know that, that um, quote, dress like the job you want to have, you know, there's some great memes out there with that quote, people, hilarious things and whatnot. And it's great to set our minds that way and say, you know, I want to put a picture of where I'm going, but also we have to reconcile and go, but where am I today? So that's really what today is about. So 1 Corinthians 13, we're going to start in, in verse 4. And when I read this, what I want you to do is I want you to think about it as you loving yourself. I understand this is super weird if you guys have never thought about this before. It's okay. Just bear with me. All right, here we go. Verse 4. Love endures with patience and serenity or peace. Love is kind and thoughtful. It is not jealous or envious. Love does not brag and is not proud or arrogant. Love is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it's not provoked, it's not overly sensitive or easily angered. It does not take into account a wrong endured. Love does not rejoice at injustice, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, regardless of what comes. Love believes all things, looking for the best in each one. Love hopes all things, remaining steadfast during difficult times, and love endures all things without weakening. Love never fails, and it never fades either. This is from the Amplified Version. So if we think about this from ourself, let me put it in a different term. Love is patient with yourself. So you can take a second to ask, am I patient with me? Some days, maybe, right? I have days where I'm like, get it together, girl. (laughs) What are you thinking? 
you know? And I have to step back and go, you know what? Love is patient. And I have to be patient with myself in this journey of becoming. Love is peace. Are you at peace with yourself? Are you at peace with who God made you to be? Are you kind and thoughtful to yourself? This is really important. The way that we think about ourselves affects a lot. It affects your family. It affects your household more than you know. When we're thinking really critical things about ourselves, we begin to to put out what we put in, right? It's a biblical truth. We can't escape it. And I can catch, we're going to talk about this in a little bit, how do you know when you're depleted? I can catch by how my kids start talking back to me about how I've been towards them. Sometimes it takes that for me to realize, oh, wow, I'm a little depleted. I need to go (laughs) replenish myself because obviously I'm not in line with love. Love is not jealous of who others are or what they have. When we love ourselves, we can be content in who God made us to be, what we look like, how we are, what our job is, what our income is. Um, Love is not rude, harsh, or critical. So same thing to yourself, the way that we talk about ourselves or think. When we put on, ladies, when we put on an outfit in the morning, those thoughts that come up, is it love? Otherwise, let's not do it. Love bears all things regardless of what comes. Um, That's pretty self-explanatory, but, you know, we are made to be overcomers. So when there's a difficult circumstance, love yourself in the process. Love hopes in difficult times, endures without weakening, and it will never fail you. Here's the bottom line is that God's love is enough. It genuinely is. And I know that as Christians, for those of you guys who are followers of Jesus in this room, we should know that we are loving and we are loved by God. That's kind of a foundational thing, right? But when we really get into the nitty-gritty and we stop and go, okay, besides what I'm just thinking, in my everyday life, is this actually bearing fruit? Just going to give you a minute to ponder. The mystery of Mark 12, this love your neighbor as yourself, is that whatever we, like I said, whatever we are loving towards ourselves is what we're putting out. Let me put it this way. If I have about under a quarter of a tank of gas in my car, and I'm thinking it would be really fun to go get a Krispy Kreme donut, which is in Edmond, and I live in south, this part of town. So that's a long way. So I'm going to deplete most of my gas getting up there and back. So the way that I think about going to do that is going to be based on what I have in the tank, right? The day that you get gas in your car is the day you're thinking, where do I want to go? (laughs) I can go anywhere. You know what I mean? It's it's just how we think. We have more than enough, so I've got something to give. You want to go up there? Sure, let's do it. Let's go get a donut, right? No big deal. But then on the days there's not enough, we start going, ah. This is not going to happen. That's not a bad thing, obviously. We need to be, you know, smart people. But this is the same thing that happens in our own hearts. When we have more than enough to give, when we're in line with who God says that we are, when we're feeling loved, when we have a, a full tank, we're able to give out to people. It doesn't feel taxing when somebody needs you to be something for them, right? But when our tank is low is when you start going, I mean, I technically should help you do that, but I really don't want to. And if I do do it, I'm probably going to complain the whole time, at least inside of my head. Anybody else? It's hard to go the extra mile when you have not even one mile worth of gas in your car. Right? So the reason why I want to take just a moment in our Better Together series to pause and just help give you guys some practicals of how to embrace understanding this 
is because if we're going to be a community who really loves each other well, we have to be people who love ourselves well. It's not going to work. Otherwise, we're going to all be burned out, and three or four months from now, we'll be saying, oh, that community group thing was fun at the beginning, but now I'm like, you people are driving me crazy, and I'm just not going to go. And that'll happen whether they're good people or not just because of what's going on inside of you, right? We have to maintain a healthy gauge. So how full is your gas tank? How full is your love tank? Let's put it that way. I want you guys to recognize some of the signs of depletion, okay? These are, this is not a comprehensive list, but hopefully in me saying some of these things, there'll be others in you that pop out. So if you take notes, this might be a good thing for you to take notes for, or even just if you, whatever pops into your mind, you can write that down. But here's some signs to know that we're being depleted. The first one is we have a lack of grace for others. When somebody annoys us, if the tank is full, it's easy to go, eh, whatever, move on. If the tank is empty, it can be a lot harder to give grace to somebody. Number two, we can be quick to think judgmentally. For those of you guys who are bent prophetically or discernment-oriented, Having judgmental thoughts is just one of the uh, byproducts in the flesh. I'm trying to think of the best way to say that, to having that gifting, right? Because we're made by God to be able to discern things. But if we're not careful, we can stay in that realm of the flesh, which is not our spirit, which is not connecting to God. And so I can discern, wow, God is doing this in that person and let that easily turn into, oh, if they could just get it together. Instead of going to that place in the spirit and saying, God, I'm going to agree with you that that's what you're doing. And I'm not going to let it change my opinion of them because we're all on a journey, right? So if that, and I know we have a lot of really prophetic people in the room. So I'm bringing this one up just to say, watch for the judgmental feelings and thoughts. I have to do this with myself. If I'm listening to what I'm venting about to my husband, I can sometimes go, oh, wow. Time to fill the tank a little bit, right? Because what's coming out of me, I don't even agree with this. It's just judgmental garbage, but I'm obviously depleted. All right, number three, quick to make excuses for our bad behavior. I don't know about you. I have a son who anytime he does something that he knows is wrong, he can come up with a hundred different reasons of why he was justified to do that, right? I'm going to use him as an example and not me just because I already gave you one about me. And there's times where I have to say to him, listen, buddy, I don't care. It was wrong. You know it was wrong. Let's just move on, right? Sometimes we just want to explain and explain, well, I did that because this and this and this. But sometimes our bad behavior is happening because we're not filled. We're not filled with the Spirit of God. And so it's coming out in negativity. Um, okay, what, this is a big one. A sign of depletion, old sin patterns start resurfacing. If you've had victory over something for a long time and then all of a sudden it looks really shiny and uh, appealing, it could be because you're not feeling as filled as you need to be. Last one, and this is not a comprehensive list, but turning to media or social media to check out more and more and more. I think we all are kind of accustomed to zoning out with social media, and that's not a bad thing. But you can watch in yourself when all you want to do is just be removed from your own life. I know for me, because I'm a very visual person and I love stories, so I love watching TV and movies and whatnot. And I can tell in myself when all I want to do is watch TV is when I need to go spend time with Jesus. <laughs> 
because there's something depleted in me that just kind of wants to like remove myself from all of the difficulties of life and just absorb in a TV show. That's not wrong in moderation. There's nothing wrong with that. But if that becomes our habit for life, it's really hard to maintain a filled tank. Do you guys know what I'm saying? All right. Our flesh will always lead us to be comforted in the world. It, our, our, we are a body, soul, and spirit, body slash flesh. And so we're designed by God for our spirit to connect with him, right? And that's how we're designed. Our flesh is not designed to connect with God. I mean, it is originally, but since the fall, that's not what's going to happen. So our flesh leans towards the world while our spirit leans towards God. And we're designed to be ruled by our spirit, okay? So whenever you feel yourself leaning towards the ways of the world, the patterns of the world, all that kind of stuff, you can step back and go, okay, wait, I don't want to follow my flesh. I want to follow my spirit. I need to do a pivot. I need to do an about face. I need to take a check of how much gas is in my tank. Because we're led by the Spirit, it leads us to the heart of God. There's a great verse in Psalm 62, verse 5, and it says, Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. Another translation says, My soul, wait, wait only upon God and silently submit to him. In the NIV, it says, Yes, my soul, find rest in God. There's this just cry of David's heart where he recognizes, I'm not going to be at peace anywhere apart from your presence, Lord. So even when we want to go down this road of yielding to just checking out and removing ourselves from people and whatnot, it's not going to ever end in you feeling rested. That doesn't mean the only way you can be rested is to spend time with God. You can be rested being with your family, being with people, all those different things. But we have to catch, you know what I'm talking about. You're the only person who can do this. That's really the bottom line. We can't come and say, hey, it looks like you're not finding rest in God. Because it's a lot about what you're thinking about and what's happening in your spirit. You're the only one that can do that. You know, um, God tells us in 1 Timothy 4, he's given us a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. Some translations say self-control. Self-control is the only kind of control that's legal in the kingdom. Did you know that? Controlling other people is illegal to God. God doesn't do that. He gives free will. He lets you choose, and he lets you choose against him because he's good, and it's baffling how he would do that, but he does. And so we are made in his image, so we're not allowed to control other people. This is really hard when you're a parent. <laughs> I mean, it's hard in life in general, but it's really hard when you're a parent, and you're looking at your kid, and you're thinking, just do what I say, please, please, just this one time, you know? But that's not how God is with us. Otherwise, we'd probably have a completely different election process happening just to bring up one example, right? God doesn't control people. He gives us free will. And so we have to watch that in ourselves, too, where we've been given self-control, but we haven't been given control to other people. So that means I can't tell you, you got to be doing this. You are the one who has to go, where is my heart leaning? What is my heart trying to find rest in? Is it in God alone, or is it somewhere else? And if it's somewhere else, then you're the only one with Jesus that can say, all right, I need to do something about that. All right, doing good, guys. <laughs> so how do you fill the tank back up? I have just a couple practicals, and then we're going to do sort of a, an exercise at the end. This is, again, not a comprehensive list. These are just some things that I've noticed in my own life that have helped me. Um, and I'll say, you know, I remember... Years ago, when I was learning to spend time with Jesus every day, in the church that we were in, everybody did it in the morning. That was like the thing. If you didn't spend time with God first thing in the morning, you might as well not do it. I don't know where that thought came from, but that was what I believed somehow. 
And so I'm not a morning person. It's like bad. It's, I mean, honestly, it's bad. I'm so thankful God gave me a husband who doesn't need sleep as much as I do because as a mother, I'm always like, go to the other side of the bed when they come in the middle of the night. It's just hard for me. I can't, I literally, the second, I, I slept eight hours a night from the day I came home from the hospital my whole life. So that's my proof that God made me to need sleep. Anyways, um, I remember the day that God said to me, why don't you spend time with me in the afternoon? What? Lord, that's blasphemy. You're supposed to have your quiet time in the morning. I mean, how can I make it half the day being like, no, I can't do that. And he said, when are you most alive? I said, well, I love the afternoon. It's my favorite time of the day. And I'm not a night person either. It's really sad. (laughs) Noon to five is like my time. And then past that, it's just not good. And he said, why don't you spend time with me after you get done with this commitment I had every day that ended around, I think, three. Why don't you spend time with me then? And I just thought, well, that just feels so wrong. And he said, well, is that how I made you? So I tried it out, and I, I spent two hours with the Lord. At that point, that was something I couldn't figure out how to do. I was like a 30-minute person. And two hours had gone by, and I'm like, what in the world happened to me? <laughs> this is amazing. But I kept telling myself, this isn't right. This isn't the way you're supposed to do things. And so I had this internal battle for about four months before I realized It's not happening in the morning. I can set every alarm. I actually own one of those lamps that turns the light on for you. That's like how you wake up if you've seen those because it's that bad. And I still sleep through that. And the light is like shining into my eyes and I'm still asleep snoozing my alarm. It's like the mornings are just not that great. And now there's been seasons where I've had to discipline myself and say, this is all I have. So this is what I'm giving to you, Lord. And that's what a sacrifice of praise is. But there's other times where I go, I need to be refreshed. I got to go do something that brings me life. And the afternoons was that time. So I bring that up to say, this list of what I'm about to tell you, this is not comprehensive. And really, the, the joy of our life is to connect with God every day, not try to arrive somewhere, right? We have this plaque in our room that says the joy is in the journey, because it is. The journey of life, day in and day out, where we find contentment in his presence, that's what makes life worth living, not trying to get somewhere to a final destination, right? And so we have to, but in America, in the corporate everything, in the Facebook world and all of that, where there's always presented out to us a place we're supposed to be going to, it can be really hard to be okay with being in the journey. So what I want you guys to do more than anything today is leave today saying, okay, God, this is who you made me to be, and this is good. I'm not wrong because I'm a morning person, a night person, an afternoon person. I'm right because I'm made by you, right? And because you've justified me through faith, you've forgiven my sin. So now I stand before you as a son or a daughter of God. So now, so now what? Teach me how to enjoy myself. Teach me how to be alive in you, right? All right, so here's our list. So the first thing you have to do, this is a non-compromisable but we got to focus on Jesus, right? It's a given. We have to focus on God and say, Lord, I need to connect with you. Um, years ago, I had a friend who, who said, uh, she told me this testimony of a girl who had come to her and said, you know, I really want to be spending time with God every day. Will you pray for me to have discipline? And this lady said to her, I'm not going to pray for you to have discipline. I'm going to pray for you to have passion. I was like, that's good, right? Because passion we go where our passion is. If you like a certain restaurant, guess where you're going to be at dinner time. You know, people can tell you all day long, don't eat so much sushi, but you know where Grant will be? 
not on Mondays because they're closed on Mondays. Every Monday is he's like, let's have sushi. No, they're closed. The one place he likes to go. But there's, it, passion drives you, right? It drives you to do things. Discipline only lasts for a short amount of time. Everybody gets burned out eventually if discipline doesn't turn into passion. So I'm not saying discipline's wrong. There's seasons where I've had to tell myself, like I said before, okay, I have to be at work at 7 a.m. So at 5.45, I got to get up so I can spend time with Jesus and get ready for my day. And I want to do that, so I'm going to discipline myself to do that, right? But there's other times where uh, it's passion just drives you. And it's like it drives you to the point where you can say, I really do like this TV show, but I'm going to turn it off because I want to spend time with you, Lord. And it's not a sacrifice. It's, it's like a joy, right? So that's one of the things we focus on God. And if you're someone who's like, man, I want to spend time with the Lord more, start by asking God to birth passion in your heart. He will, just saying, it's a prayer he loves to answer. I think in some ways he likes to answer that prayer more than God give me discipline to do this thing. Because passion connects our hearts to him. Anyways, all right. Uh, another thing that's really helpful to do to fill the bank back up. Worship. Soaking. Is anybody familiar with soaking? Soaking is just a word to say, I'm turning on really great music and I'm just letting my heart just commune with God, right? It doesn't feel like you're accomplishing anything, but that's not why it's not called accomplishing. It's called soaking. <laughs> it's called absorbing. It's like a sponge being put into liquid. It's going to soak it all in, right? So there's times where if I don't have an answer, I, don't, I, need, I need to just feel God's presence, I'll just turn on some music and just sit there. There was a time in my life where I thought, I need to be asking you for something, God, and telling you. And then God said, no, you just need to be. What if we just were together? Well, that doesn't feel like I would accomplish anything, Lord. Why would I do that? He's like, well, just watch what I do by just putting my spirit into you, right? So soaking is a great thing. Um, there's some amazing, we love a guy named Graham Cook. He's been a huge influence in our life. And he has these great soaking CDs. And he's British, so that just makes it fun because, you know, we all like to hear a British accent, most of us anyway. And so he just speaks about the identity of God and your identity as a son or daughter of God in this amazing British accent. And it's a great soaking thing. There's a lot of them on YouTube. Turn that on while you're doing the dishes. Turn that on while you're doing chores, while you're in the shower, and just let it soak in your heart listening to the Lord, reading the Bible. If you're far off from needing, like if you have a long way to go to connect with the Lord, this is my always my go-to. When I've been feeling disconnected for a long time, I don't always trust what I hear from God. Because we're not always hearing the Lord. He's always speaking. We're not always hearing him, right? But the Bible is always the word of God. So there's times where I have to go, I want to hear from you, Lord, and I'm going to hear it from this book so that I know that I know that it's you. <laughs> So reading the word, super important. Commit to turn to God and to lean into him. This is an internal thing. When you want to go the way of the flesh, just stop and commit to turning in towards the Lord. Taking your thoughts captive. And the last one, be a believer. Wait, what? Think about what the word believer means. I believe this. We can be a Christian and not be a believer, right? We can say, Jesus, you're the son of God, and not believe the things that he says. So there's times where we want to fill up our tank. Be a believer. I believe you, Lord, that you are good, that you have good things in store for me. I believe that what I'm seeing in my life right now can change. I believe, just as it says in Isaiah, you can make a way where there is no way. We become a believer. So in this journey that we're all on, let me check our time. <coughs> I just want to challenge you 
to, be, to bravely become who you are. I remember there was a season of my life where the Lord, it was actually a really bizarre, when we moved to Oklahoma City, um, we weren't a part of, we didn't know anybody, we didn't have like, a, we just had really no major connections to people and oversight and whatnot. And I remember thinking to myself, if there was ever a time to find out what we're made of, it's now. Because nobody would know anything that we do. Right? And that season was one of the best seasons of our life because we met with God in ways that I didn't even know were possible because all bets were off. There was no standard I was trying to hold myself to. There was no, um, besides the Bible, there was no cultural expectation. It was just us and Jesus saying, Lord, what do you want to do with our life? And you know what he did more than anything? He said, I want you to find what brings you life. So we'd go as a family to the park, we'd go to Panera, we'd go to these different places and just enjoy life with the Lord. And it's one of the best seasons of our lives. What was cool was to find that I don't need, uh, how should I say this? We need people because we do need people. <laughs> but there's a season where we can say, I look at what you've done in my life, God, let's put it that way. And look at how I can trust you, Lord, because I'm not trying to prove anything to anybody. I'm just living my life before you, right? And the secret that I discovered in that three or four month season was that's every day. Hopefully you guys are living your life for the glory of God, not for the glory of someone else's approval. My heart for you is that you would live before God and say, Lord, all I want to do is please you. All I want to do is, is commune with you, connect with you, have an, a, a passion for you. I don't want to make decisions based on what I think people are going to think. It's hard. But when we grow into a pattern where we're concerned with what everybody else thinks, eventually our tank gets really depleted. We stop loving ourselves because we stop valuing who we are uniquely, and then we don't really have anything to give. So that's why today we're taking this time out. It's like a timeout, <laughs> just to say, how am I doing? Where, where do I need to make adjustments? I remember we went, we for a long time didn't go to movies, partially because we didn't have the money and partially because it wasn't something culturally in our environment that was like celebrated. And I, I love movies from when I was a kid. It's just something about visual storytelling that's been in my heart. And I remember going to this movie, I don't even remember what, remember, I don't remember what it was. It wasn't, it was like a silly story. And I left feeling so refreshed and it took my breath away because I thought, that's a weird feeling. <laughs> I like went to a movie, that's in the world, you know? And God was saying, yeah, but I made you to enjoy stories. I made you, this was actually my major in college. It was like, like I love it that much. And the Lord was saying, why would you deaden something that brings you life? If it's not sin, if it's not wrong, why would you deaden that? I, oh, I don't know, Lord, because other people that I looked up to don't. He's like, well, that's really where it stops. They don't. I'm not a hunter. I was telling Grant this morning, somehow Facebook, you know when they tell you pages that you might like? This morning's pages were like all about guns. Like all of them. Like American weapons, heavy artillery. I mean, I was looking through it thinking, what? It's like Facebook, you don't even know me. <laughs> right? I was, and I was telling Grant, I'm like, how did this even get on here? I mean, I don't even like pages that have guns. I mean, it's, I'm not an anti-gun person, but it just isn't. I couldn't figure it out. But my husband loves to hunt. And so there's times where I'm like, it may not be what I want to do with my weekend, but if you want to go shoot guns, I'm going to try really hard not to make you feel bad about that. 
I mean, you know what I'm saying? Because there's times where I want to go walk around Hobby Lobby for like two hours, and I want to read every sign in the store, and I walk out feeling like God just scooped me up in his arms and just nuzzled his face on me, and it's so great, right? And some of the ladies are like, yes, and then the men are going, could you get done already? <laughs> right? So we're all made differently. Then that, and you may not be like crafts at all, and you don't have to. You could be a girl that likes guns. You could be a man that likes crafts. It really doesn't matter, right? It just matters who are you? Who did God make you to be? Because when we celebrate that about ourselves, it brings so much joy to the Lord. It really does. When I look at my kids that are almost nine, six, and four, they each are, they're so different. They're so different. And the things that my four-year-old likes to do are make lines of cars. That's all he does all day long. He gets all of his Hot Wheels out, and he puts them in a line. <laughs> and then he gets the Disney figurines out, and he puts them in a line. And he loves it. And I love that for him. You know, my daughter, she's like never, she never puts them in a line. She would make a star pattern or like a smiley face or something. A line is so boring to her. But she's not him. So it brings me life to watch him be him. In the same way that it brings me life for her to be in her room putting on a play for Jesus, because that's what she does. <laughs> she's doing different voices and drawing different. I mean, she's just really creative like that. And I love that. It's, you see what I'm saying? So as a mom, if that's how I feel about my kids, how much more does God look at you and delight at the things that bring you life? Soccer, baseball, football, crafting, hunting, cooking, whatever. So when you're, when you're tank reading, you know, spending time being introverted, spending time with people, it doesn't matter. It's just what is it for you. So when your tank is low, when you notice that you're getting a little prickly, let's put it that way, take a second and fill it back up. Fill it up with Jesus and fill it up with things that you enjoy because we're not going to be able to change our city if we, don't change, if we don't love ourselves. It's so easy, Right? Who doesn't want to spend time doing things you like to do? And then guess what? As you do that, God will bring people alongside of you that like to do that same thing. And then kingdom advancement happens. It, it really is simple, guys. <laughs> it really is. All right, so here's where we're going to end. Um, this, I've never done this with you guys before, really like this. And so it could totally bomb. I have no idea. But this is what God has been saying to me multiple times to end this way, so here we go. We're going to turn on some music um, in a minute. But what I, what I feel like the Lord, the picture that he gave me was, there's a lot of us, because of culture, um, environment, circumstances, all these different factors, that we've, in a sense, put ourselves in a jail. And the picture that I had was like a three-walled jail, which has no door. Hallelujah. <laughs> right? But if we don't get ourselves out of that jail, we can hold ourselves hostage for no reason at all. And a lot of times we get put there because we're trying to measure up, how am I doing? And we're measuring against people who are so different than who we are that we end up feeling bad about ourselves when that was never the goal anyway, right? And so <clears throat> what I, the picture I had is I just feel like the Lord wants us to take a second and to just acknowledge what are the things that I've been measuring, the standards that are not from God that I've been measuring myself to. And then we're going to take a second and say, okay, God, what's something that is unique to me that I could do to bring myself life that you would celebrate, right? There's biblical boundaries on this, obviously, but you guys all know that. 
And then I just want us to, so the third part is we're just going to, I'm going to pray at the end and just ask the Lord to come and help recalibrate us. And, and, you know, if you're an imaginary person, I would encourage you, use your imagination to let God speak to you. It might be a picture. It might be a phrase. He might give you a Bible verse to look up. I don't know what he's going to do. It's going to be unique to who you are. But the goal for this morning is just to take a step forward and say, I am who I am on purpose, and I'm right, and I'm good, and God is with me, and that's all I need. Right? So, Holy Spirit... We just thank you for your intentionality. Lord, we just thank you for your presence. And I thank you, Lord, that you celebrate the uniqueness in each of our hearts. And you celebrate that we can come together and be unified despite being so unique. And so this morning, Lord, I ask that you would highlight anything that we've, if it's there, anything that we've um, measured ourselves against, a standard, a cultural expectation that was never in your heart for us to take on. Father, would you speak to us? Who did you make? You just pray this in your heart. Lord, who did you make me to be? What's unique about me? And what do you want me to celebrate about myself today? Jesus, is there anything else on your heart that you want us to know this morning? Lord, would you speak to the hearts of every single person in this room?
So Lord, this morning, I just pray a blessing over every person here to enter into the celebration of who they are. Lord, that the celebration that you feel in their heart, God, the joy that you feel towards each and every one of them. Father, we do just speak against any place of shame or condemnation or um, critical thinking that comes to silence the glory of what you've put in each and every one of us. And so we just, yeah, I just ask that you would draw people into that um, celebration mentality. And over the course of this week, Lord, as they're thinking about who they are in you, Father, I pray that you would just bless that, Lord, that you'd speak to that place and put fuel on that fire to, to develop passion for you in each and every one of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so your homework for this week is to do something that you like to do. Right? It's great homework. I wouldn't give you homework that wasn't that fun. Um, as you leave today, I would encourage you to tell somebody, maybe if your lunchtime conversation, but be brave and say, hey, or ask the person you're at lunch with, what do you think, that, what do you think makes you unique? And have a conversation about it. The only guide rule is you can't tell them no. Right? You don't have to agree, but you can't tell them no. <laughs> okay? All right, have an awesome week. We'll see you at community groups this week, and see you next Sunday.